On this first Sunday of Advent, as we lead up to this season of Christmas, we begin a new series, Windows onto the Birth of Christ. Four looks at the Nativity, three of them coming from the Gospels, but the fourth, the one today, coming from the Book of Revelation. I've always thought people should have a paper bag in hand in case they hyperventilate when reading from the Book of Revelation, but in the same way that Star Wars and Lord of the Rings uses crazy images and creatures, the book of Revelation speaks to its day and to ours. So listen to this reading from Revelation 12, beginning at verse 1. A great sign appeared in heaven. A woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet, and on her head a crown of twelve stars. She was pregnant and was crying out in birth pangs in the agony of giving birth. Then another sign appeared in heaven, a great red dragon with seven heads and ten horns and seven diadems on his heads. His tail swept down a third of the stars of heaven and threw them to the earth. Then the dragon stood before the woman who was about to deliver a child so that he might devour her child as soon as it was born. And she gave birth to a son, a male child, who is to rule all the nations with a scepter of iron. But her child was snatched away and taken to God and to his throne. And the woman fled into the wilderness where she has a place prepared by God so that there she can be nourished for 1,260 days." If things at your house are like they are at ours, already some Christmas cards have come your way. Just a trickle, and there are more to come, of course, but they've started coming. And pretty much all of them the same. I don't mean the little scribbled note at the bottom or the letter that's tucked in there in which they detail how their kids and grandkids excel all others. I mean the cards themselves that they buy from Hallmark or wherever. Specifically, I mean the artwork on the cover. There are only so many iconic Christmas images. I get that. You know, there's the mistletoe, or there's the Santa on sleigh, or the religious one, the star over a manger. I have yet to see one with a great red dragon. I don't know if any of you work at Hallmark or if you know people who work at Hallmark, but feel free to pitch that idea and see how it goes. I don't need any credit. My hunch is it's going to bomb. In the church, we prefer a kinder, gentler kind of Christmas. And so we have these Christmas pageants, you know, kids in sheets with a halo, bathrobes being magi, etc. Ours happens on Christmas Eve at the 530 service. It's a family-friendly service. It's packed to the gills, and it's a little bit chaotic but beautiful because all the kids are so pumped. I mean, Santa's on his way. And so some of the kids are recruited. They can be shepherds or angels, and they come up, and they adore the Christ child, and they visit the Holy Family. It's just this beautiful moment and no red dragons. Nobody gets to be a dragon. My hunch is that kids who are into dinosaurs, especially the T-Rex, would love to be a red dragon at Christmas, but it's not gonna happen. It's the same for the Christmas movies. They kind of fall into categories, right? There's the classics like It's a Wonderful Life. There's the Santa versions of that. 
and then all the rom-coms with their formulas, but no red dragons. I heard years ago that some screenwriters who do not have an appointment with Hollywood execs will simply wait in the parking lot and while they're going into their offices, scream out the plot, hoping to catch their ear. Yes, it's a Christmas movie, but with a twist, there's a red dragon. And the door shuts. I mean, it's got no chance. We might as well admit it, this is a strange passage. The whole book of Revelation is a strange book. Most people avoid it, clergy included. It's intimidating, but it doesn't have to be. It's actually brilliant. In the same way that when you're watching Star Wars, no one needs to say, oh, by the way, Darth Vader's the bad guy. You know that. Well, a dragon, a big, great red dragon has to be evil. And that's what it is. In John's day, likely a reference to the emperor of Rome persecuting the Christians. But the images in Revelation don't stay there. They move down through time like Stalin and Hitler and Putin. The child is pretty obvious, right? I mean, this is the birth of Jesus in the book of Revelation. This is Jesus being born. And it kind of echoes back to the one we read in the Gospel of Matthew, where when the baby is born, King Herod says, I'm going to kill the child. He's tricked, so he kills all the baby boys in Bethlehem. But the woman's identity is a little bit trickier. In the book of Revelation, images, they're kind of plastic. They, they change. They shift. Yeah, it can be Mary giving birth to the Christ child, but she could also be Israel. She has 12 stars in her crown, like the 12 tribes, and Israel was persecuted by Pharaoh, he was a red dragon, by Nebuchadnezzar, the Babylonians, and she could also be the church and her offspring persecuted. See, eventually what you realize is that it's not just that the book is strange, anybody can see that. It's that it's familiar. We've heard this plot a hundred times over. You know that expression in French, déjà vu, where it seems like, I've seen this before. Well, déjà vu is French for, I think I've read this somewhere before. Well, yeah. It, it's in mythology all through the ages, in Egyptian, in Babylonian, in Roman, in Greek, over and over, a dragon ready to devour a child. It's also in novels, screenplays, and unfortunately in the news. Last week I was gone attending a conference, annual conference of religious scholars from all over the world. We met in Denver. We learned Sunday morning that just down the interstate in Colorado Springs was that shooting at a gay bar. Monday morning, coming into the convention, I watched as the worker cranked down the American flag to half-staff. You've seen half-staff flags before. I have, too, all my life. But I'd never seen one being lowered. There was something symbolic about that. I mean, is there a day ever that a flag shouldn't be at half-staff? And I thought, what kind of world do we live in? kind with great red dragons. I went to a session there on poverty in the biblical world. 
We looked at passages in the Old Testament, the New Testament, poverty everywhere. And then we stepped out into the streets of Denver, and it was everywhere too. Homeless and hungry people on every block, cardboard signs, some of them just curled up. We sat down to delicious food in restaurants where there was a combination lock on the doors to the restrooms. And I thought, what kind of world is this? It's the kind with great red dragons. Carla and I talked while I was there. I wanted to hear how the service had gone with the two congregations last week. And she asked about the conference. And it must have been my lucky day. I must have won the lottery. Because, now this will not come as a surprise to you, but some biblical scholars chase rabbits. And I mean esoteric rabbits, where even people who are scholars are bored stiff. But there was a session called Preaching Revelation. Seriously? Preaching Revelation? And the first presenter said, I'd like to talk about chapter 12. Oh my gosh, this is my lucky day, right? Well, honestly, he didn't say anything I didn't already know, but he reminded me about two things. One, when you read from the book of Revelation, first and foremost, it should bring, not confusion, comfort. It's there to comfort us, just like it comforted John's congregation. But there's an asterisk, and you have to drop down and look at the footnote. Because the comfort in the book of Revelation is a little bit gray. Here's what I mean. Years ago on NPR, I heard an interview with an illustrator and author of a children's book, and the book was about helping children who were dealing with cancer. And when they tried to figure out how they were going to portray this, they decided that cancer would be represented by a great red dragon. And because sometimes cancer goes away and comes back, when they got to the climax, the dragon had been run through with a sword. He was laying out on the ground, splayed out, but his eyes were still open because you never know about dragons. See, in the book of Revelation, there is this comfort, feasting at a future table, but, but it's, an, it's a not yet fully realized comfort. It's a promised, but not yet comfort. The second thing he said was, there's always a challenge, a prophetic challenge, which of course is pretty obvious if you happen to be in government and happen to be part of the red dragons, but even for us, there is a challenge. Here's what I mean. If you ever dare to try and read through the book of Revelation, it will strike you. It's full of violence. Everywhere. We didn't read the whole chapter. You can thank me for that later. But Michael the angel forms an army of angels and they go to war with the dragon and they slay the dragon. There's a beast in the next chapter and he's eventually thrown into the lake of fire. What you eventually realize is the book's not just full of violence, it's conquering violence by means of violence. It's this crazy cycle of violence. But it's not true of the Jesus, the Christ child. Here's the way it works. They call it recapitulation. It's just a fancy word for how the book of Revelation is written. It doesn't read like a gospel. You know, Jesus is born, he has his life, he's died, he raises... No. 
it just repeats itself over and over. Recapitulate, hear this, hear this, hear this, over and over the same plot, except in the middle of the book, this is the very, very middle of the book, is the story of Jesus' birth. It stops the violence. He's snatched away. And he's the Christ child. In fact, just a few chapters before this, John, the, the writer, he's despairing because the world's full of dragons. And he says, what should I do? And he turns to look at the lion of Judah, the lion. It's Jesus. You know, picture MGM, you know, the lion that roars. Except, remember, these images are plastic. And so when he turns to look, it's a lamb. The lion, it's a lamb. Jesus will conquer by simply laying down his life. Years ago, a theologian by the name of Walter Wink said, we are addicted to the myth of redemptive violence. The idea that violence can put an end to violence. It, it, it was there in the Westerns, John Wayne. It was there in Dirty Harry or Bruce Willis and Die Hard. And we cheer when the good guy slaughters the bad guy. How sad is that? It's always violence. But Wink says that when you're caught between fight and flight, there's another way. Christ just lays down his life. And so every year at Advent, we offer up songs, prayers, really, O come, O come, Emmanuel, or today, O come, thou long-expected Jesus, born to set thy people free. And it's a prayer. Our prayer at Advent is, God, please deliver us from all of the dragons. Yes, yes, please. And deliver us from ourselves. For we are a violent and misguided people. And near as I can tell, that's the nativity story. In the book of Revelation, what kind of Jesus are you expecting?